Thanks for joining the Capital Church podcast channel. For more resources and to learn more about Capital Church, please visit our website at capitalchurch.co or send us an email at info at capitalchurch.co. Okay. Uh, this is an interesting time of the year, this Christmas time. It's both the celebration and, and separation to some degree. Um, because at no other time of the year is, is the Christian more separated from the world than at Christmas. You see, the world celebrates a season. The Christian celebrates a Savior. Whether this world likes it or not, and increasingly the world doesn't like it, Christmas is the celebration of the birthday of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, there will be, during this time of the year, there will be people who will be so drunk they will not know whose birthday it is, unfortunately. There are some people who are so devious they want to forget whose birthday it is. And there are some people who are so depressed, it doesn't matter whose birthday it is. But for the most part, the world of this season just doesn't get it. They're just throwing parties for party's sake. And they will forget to invite the guest of honor. Much of this world reminds me of a story of two women who were enjoying an expensive lunch in a downtown restaurant. And it was obvious that they were celebrating some festive occasion. Uh, when the waitress uh, uh, asked the occasion for, for the lunch, the, one of the women piped up and said, well, we're celebrating my baby's birthday. But the waitress looked around and said, well, didn't see any child. She said, well, where's the baby? And the mother said, well, you don't think I'd bring the baby, do you? Why, he would ruin the whole party. Now, many people are going to throw office parties and house parties and all kinds of parties this Christmas, but they won't invite Jesus because he'd ruin the whole party. How would you feel if someone threw a birthday party for you and at the party everybody got a gift but you? Or how would you feel if somebody threw a party for you but you were not even mentioned? That, in fact... You are not even invited. That's kind of the way it is today. We have managed to make Christmas a $15 billion industry. Just a sh- few short days, $15 billion is spent just in America. Half of the toys sold in America are sold at Christmas ta- time to the tune, just toys, to the tune of $4.5 billion. Now, I'm not a Scrooge, and I'm not saying we shouldn't buy toys and gifts, etc., and and celebrate the season, but there's something tragically wrong when we forget the reason for this season. Christmas is not just about buying gifts. It's about the birth of God. The birth of God. Let that sink in for a minute. Christmas is not about buying toys for children. It's about bringing tribute to Jesus Christ. Luke 2, verses 4 through 7, you're going to hear this scripture a lot during this Christmas time, but I'm just going to take a portion out of Luke 2, which is the most illustrative story of Christmas in the Bible. It says, so Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. And he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, 
the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in claws and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now, let me just, uh, my whole message day is wrapped around the town of Bethlehem. That's why I wanted to sing this song, O Little Town of Bethlehem. Interestingly enough, uh, Phillips Brooks was the one who wrote that song. He was a rector uh, from a Philadelphia church. And he took a year's trip abroad and came to the Holy Land just before Christmas, 1865. And on Christmas Eve, he rode the short journey to, to Bethlehem from Jer- Jerusalem. And it looked a lot like it did probably at the birth of Jesus. Shepherds were in their fields. It, stars glittered in the sky. The, the scene was indelibly imprint, imprinted upon his memory. And everything about that night that he was there seemed to be just like the night of Jesus' birth. And when he goes home, he pens the song, O Little Town of Bethlehem, because it inspired him. And it was sung for the first time in 1868 at his church for a children's song. This song contains many analogies between the coming of Christ in Bethlehem 19 centuries, almost 20, you know, 20 centuries ago, and his coming into human hearts today. Bethlehem is symbolic of the incarnation of Christ. God with us, his coming in flesh. It was at Bethlehem that the eternal God first became flesh and dwelt among us. His entrance was made at Bethlehem. Now I'm going to explain that in just a minute, why God chose Bethlehem. But is this not interesting that heaven and earth, that the story of Jesus is the story of heaven and earth coming together. We've been talking about this for some time, how heaven and earth come together. And we We sing this as we just did, yet in thy dark street shineth the everlasting light. Bethlehem had no idea what was going on that night. Yet in thy dark streets, they didn't have sign, you know, street signs or street lights or anything else. The everlasting light, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. Wow. God comes to earth as a baby. And he comes to Bethlehem and the light shines. Bethlehem didn't know what was going on. And the ultimate aim of Bethlehem to which Christ came physically was that he might then enter our lives spiritually. There had to be a physical entrance so there could be a spiritual entrance. That's why we, you know, thank God for Bethlehem. If there wouldn't have been a Bethlehem, there wouldn't have been a spiritual captivity in our hearts. You know, your heart is what God really wanted. And so I want to give you five points here real quickly. Christ comes into us supernaturally. It's a supernatural thing. I mean, his coming to earth at Bethlehem was supernatural. There's no way it could be not spoken of in any other terms. And the possibility of Christ taking up his abode in a person's life was declared by Christ when he said, I shall be in you. Now, I don't know about you, but that just is incredible that the God of all creation, the creator, the one Jesus Christ who was sent to earth lives in us. Christ in you, the hope of glory. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. When you walk around town, you represent Jesus. He's in you. He's not, he's not bodily anywhere anymore except through you, for you're the body of Christ. 
That's just supernaturally impacting. I mean, that just kind of blows me away. Why would God do that? See, by birth, Christ came to Bethlehem, but by spiritual birth, he comes to our human hearts. And through birth from above, Christ takes up residence in us. He lives in us. You know, the supernatural activity of God in Bethlehem is no less supernatural than the coming of Christ to our individual bodies and our individual hearts. Now, who would have picked Bethlehem uh, for the birthplace of the King of Kings? Shouldn't it have been Paris or New York City or, or Jerusalem or, you know, I don't know, any, any city besides Bethlehem? Bethlehem was a town of 5,000 people. Just a small town. And this small, unlikely town with just a few residents was prophesied by the prophet Micah. It was said in Micah, they, the prophets knew if they would have searched scripture, they would have known that he was coming. He was coming to Bethlehem. They didn't know how to expect him or, you know, and we all would expect if God was going to come to earth, he was going to come in all majesty. Come on, he would come with troops and with angels and with just, it would just be powerful. And he'd set up and they'd have this big platform and he'd go, boop. It's not how he came. It wasn't there to impress people. He came to our hearts to change people. Isn't that right, Danny? He came to us to change us. And so we see this little small town. In fact, Micah said, was, it was called Little Among the Thousands of Judah. He said, yet out of thee shall he come forth that is to be ruler of Israel. Micah prophesies this. And, and in like manner, who would have picked Bethlehem and who would have picked you? In like manner, who would have picked your heart, my heart, for a place for Christ to be born? Yet because of faith, we invite Jesus in and we experience a supernatural birth. You go from darkness to light. You, come, you go from knowing nothing in, in your mind spiritually to all of a sudden everything is alive. And you're, you're changed. I mean, the, the, come on, people. I, I don't know if you really understand how powerful this is. So supernatural. You go from a kingdom of deep, dark darkness to great light. And it's so powerful it impacts all of, all of creation and life. God, Christ bypasses the proud and the haughty. He comes into those who are, who are just have simple faith and just believe him. Just like Bethlehem. It wasn't really the place that man would pick. And you are probably the person, or I wouldn't, I'm not the person the world would pick, but God did once you receive him. But secondly, Christ not only comes in supernaturally, he comes in silently. We, we kind of sang that in that song. Bethlehem did not know that the Lord of glory and the creator of the universe had just entered their city limits. Think about that. The creator of the universe just happened to come in in the, mother of a, in the womb of a mother in a barn and they didn't even know it. The pilgrims were coming for a census. They were, they were not aware of it. The innkeeper certainly wasn't aware of it or he wouldn't have done what he did. 
King Herod, just a few miles away, didn't know about it, or he would have done something. The scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, all religious leaders were ignorant about it because they weren't into the word of God. Only the shepherds outside town, who were, as you heard last Sunday with, with Tracy, who were the low on the totem pole, they were the ones that heard about the supernatural announcement. Come on, God is looking for some people who aren't necessarily known in the world, but know Jesus and are willing to be informed. Neighbors didn't know anything. They didn't hear a thing. Yet the most, now think about this. If you were in Bethlehem at the time, the, the most amazing birth of all history occurred there. Supernaturally, he came in the natural. Oh, little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie, how still. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep, the silent stars go by. Everything was just the same. But the entrance of Christ came that night. And the entrance of Christ into one's life often comes silently and without fanfare. I was five years old. I was sitting with my Sunday school teacher and my parents, and I invited the king of the, the creator of the universe to come in. Came in pretty silently. I didn't know how that would impact me. But it does. It's a supernatural impact. I think it's probably that way for most of us. You know, you can, uh, you can be sitting at home or in your car and receive Jesus silently, quietly. You can be preached. You can watch a preacher on TV and silently receive Jesus. But I'm telling you, there's an analogy between Christ being born in Bethlehem and him being born in our human heart. It's not necessarily this big fanfare, but it happens. And when it happens, the whole world changes. There's another verse in this old little town. We didn't sing it. How silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. So God imparts to human hearts the blessing of his heaven. No ear may hear his coming. But in this world of sin, where meek souls will receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. Thirdly, Christ comes in joyfully. So he comes in supernaturally, silently, but he comes joyfully. I don't think we understand angelic uh, activity. If God could flip a switch right now and we could see angels, whoo. They'd be everywhere. There's one right behind me right now. They're probably lining the front. You brought yours in today with you. One, two, or three. I don't know how many you need, but... <laughs> Some of you drive really amazingly, and so you probably need more. But Hebrews tell us, tells us that angels are assigned as ministers of heaven to help us. I'm glad they're around. I think we're going to see videos of angels helping us. I remember stories in my life. I could tell you them or I don't have time. But I know an angel was there. He prevented my death or my injury or whatever. Angels rejoiced at Jesus' birth. One angel pronounced, and we know this, 
He went to the shepherds. He said, good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord, and this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And Tracy mentioned what a manger is. is isn't this. It was a feeding trough. It was dirty. I wouldn't want my grandsons in there. But that's where Jesus was. And that angel was then joined by a multitude of angels, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest on earth, peace, goodwill towards men as they described what was going on to the shepherds. And when Christ is born in human hearts, angels likewise rejoice. Just when Jesus was born, there was great rejoicing in heaven. But interestingly enough, if you go to a, there's a, a chapter in the book of Luke, Luke 15. It's a story of three lost things. And the, the main theme here is there's the shepherd finds his lost sheep. There's a woman that finds her lost coin and a father finds his lost son. And do you know, interestingly enough, in the scripture twice, it says, it says this in verse seven, it says, I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repents. In verse 10, it says, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repents. Come on, one person makes a, a, a choice for Jesus and angels go crazy. They start rejoicing. I don't know how they, maybe they flap their wings. I, I don't, some angels seem to have wings and some don't. I uh, read a story to the junior high and high school on Wednesday night about the story uh, uh, of, of angels coming to earth and, and participating in Jesus' birth. But I don't know how they, how they rejoice, but I think angels are fascinated with, the, with uh, the story of redemption. I think because they, haven't, they have not experienced redemption. They were created. We were, we were created and then we experienced the birth of Jesus in us and we were redeemed. They, they, don't, they, don't under, you know, they haven't experienced it so they're fascinated by it. They're fascinated at the links God went to redeem us. I mean, they would just, I think they just shake their heads. I, I, God, it's just amazing. And if you, if you realize angels were hovering around Jesus at every epical event of his life, they were at, all around at his birth, announcing his birth, proclaiming his arrival. They strengthened him at his temptation. They encouraged him in Gethsemane's trial. They were there when they rolled away the stone. They were there when he was presented at his ascension. The Bible says they will accompany him in a major way at his return. I mean, angels are around. It's powerful. I remember a story I read many years ago about this mine tragedy. This uh, mine in southern Illinois, was it collapsed in... There was uh, a pro, they were trying to find out how many were still alive. And the picture was of mothers and children and everything gathered around the top of the mine shaft, looking down, seeing if they could, if there was any hope. And fortunately, there was good news at that event. They were all saved. Do you know what happened at the top of the shaft when they heard that? There was great rejoicing. Do you know what I what it reminds me of, I, I, I don't know, I kind of perceive angels peering over the shaft of time. 
looking down and wondering who is going to receive Jesus. Because apart from Christ, men are lost spiritually. But just when one sinner repents and the angels are gathered around, they start flapping their wings and rejoicing. One saved! He's saved! He's not lost! They stand around this shaft of time looking down. And as as we pray this prayer of Matthew 6, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. They're looking down, asking and believing that we will be praying these into and saving these. And as we do, they rejoice. I don't know. I think there's a lot of rejoicing in heaven. I was reading, now get this, guys. We, we noted, we just, we noted about almost 1,300 people this year got saved as a result of this church. A visible acknowledgement. Now that's, wow. 1,300 people. You know what that would, there's 833 seats in this room. I know I counted them. I have this obsession with seats and making sure they're straight and everything. And my chair guys did a great job. There's 833. So how much? 1,300, that's filling this room and half again. That's a lot of people. Jesus is rejoicing. The angels are rejoicing. But I don't think we counted enough. I mean, there's probably many, many more that received as a result of your influence a result of your prayers, and all the angels rejoice. All heaven starts praising God. It's an amazing thing. There's joy. There's a joy is in heaven. And I, I think angels make the portals ring when they see a child born on the earth. Now, number four, Christ comes in powerfully. When Christ comes to us, he comes in powerfully. What a great change in the world that the birth of Christ has, has brought. Now, I don't understand this. I don't know how you can be an atheist and look at our calendar. In the year of our Lord, 2018. Isn't that right? I mean, everything is counted on the calendar. Every time you write the date, you are acknowledging the incarnation of Jesus. Whoa! Think about that. Every, every letter we write, every calendar we print, every engagement we schedule announces by implication the incarnation of Christ. In the year of our Lord, it's divided into B.C. and A.D. Come on, acknowledge that. I mean, Keith was telling me that when you get a promotion in the Marines and they give you the promotion at the bottom of, the, of, the, of your promotion in the year of our Lord, 2018 or whatever, do you know every legal document does the same thing? Somebody's got it right. And these people that are trying to X Jesus out of everything, you know, come on. It has made a difference. His coming has, has indirectly brought about so many things from the, abolish, uh, the abolition of slavery in Christian parts of the world, lifting womanhood to a position of honor. And if you look, look, just look at biblically, who was really faithful to Jesus? It was the women. Boy, I should have had some women amens on that one. <laughs> if you look at scripturally, 
Jesus elevated childhood. He recognized the equality of races. And through Christians, he founded hospitals and charitable organizations. You take all of the hospitals that weren't founded as a religious source out of America, and you don't have many left. Did you know that? St. Luke's, St. Al's, they're both religiously founded. I mean, you, you go through, the, you won't have many, many uh, uh, nonprofits left in America if you take out the Christians. It is the Christian influence of Christ in us, the hope of glory, attempting to work its way out of us to touch people so that the angels in heaven can look over the portals and start rejoicing. And that's what I, we, we need to picture that more often to get, get excited about that because the, the, these changes occur as, as a result of Christ. He comes in powerfully, but he comes in powerfully to your individual life. The greatest change of all is the change that Christ has made in the human heart. When Christ is invited into the heart, change inevitably will follow. Of 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if a man be in Christ, he is a new creature, old things are passed away, and behold, all things become new. Oh, he didn't say a few things, he said all things. And change may come quickly or it may come more slowly, but change will come to a person who has received Christ. The Bible says by their fruit you will know them. New interests will suddenly appear. Things once looked that you liked will lose their hold. The new creation in Christ who once detested worship now loves worship. You ever notice that? When Christ comes in a powerful way, change takes place. New desires, new direction, new destiny. Wow. And the last one, Christ comes in personally. He personally has a personal touch for you. The, the great question today is not, was Christ born in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago? Because that's a historical fact. The issue is, will you allow Christ to come into your heart and life? And when you decide to receive Christ, it will then be a spiritual fact. Now think about this. For three days, Mary, Mary and Joseph were, had journeyed from Nazareth to Bethlehem, a, a distance of about 80 miles. And we can only imagine how uncomfortable and difficult this was on this young mother and the, the anxious father. Incidentally, I think Joseph is a hero. If you, if you read the story about that, I mean, uh, because of, of Mary being with child without a father, that was worthy of stoning. But Joseph, I think an angel had a little bit of, to do with this, though. He influenced Joseph. Joseph got the picture. And Joseph received Mary and took her, in, um, took her to Bethlehem in a special way. I can just imagine that just before the night closed in Bethlehem and things opened up that night, maybe there was a sense of rest and peace. Maybe there was um, something happening in their hearts. I don't know, but they came to that inn. And Joseph knocked, and we know the story. He said, listen, you can't turn away a mother who's in labor. And maybe the Innkeeper bellowed back, can't you see we're filled up? Didn't you read the no vacancy sign? But Joseph kept saying, but it's my wife. She's in labor. And he said, sorry, no room. 
The door almost slams, but the innkeeper's wife comes to the door. She suggests they try the stable. And that night, Jesus, God, was born in a barn. My mother always asked me, Ken, were you born in a barn? <laughs> I would leave the door open. Do, you, do your parents ever say that? So I got to a place where I say, no, but Jesus was, so if it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. <laughs> Whoa. We laugh about that now, but. So Jesus is born in this manger because there was no room for him in the inn. And the innkeeper could have made a personal decision to make room for Christ, but like many today, he was too involved. He was too self-important. He was too indifferent to Christ. He didn't get it. Christ is only given, only token attention, and people today are almost the very same. No room. I'm reminded of Holman Hunt's picture. you got to see this. I'm going to put it up on the screen. Holman Hunt had a picture called The Light of the World. Hunt received this inspiration, now this is interesting, to paint this painting while on a visit to Bethlehem. This work depicts an imposing personage standing under in a midnight sky, wearing a robe of white, on his head a crown of thorns, in one hand a lantern red and glowing, and the reflection of which falls on a barred door whose hinges are rusty and over whose threshold grow creeping uh, ivy and poisonous weeds. In the other hand, nail pierced, knocks gently on the door, which has never been opened. Why would Bethlehem inspire the artist to paint a picture based on the text, Behold, I stand at the door and knock? Well, the answer is simple. Just as Bethlehem gave a cold reception to Jesus, so the human heart too often gives a cold reception to the knocking of Jesus. Unwelcome and unwanted. But he keeps on standing. He keeps on knocking. And he keeps on calling. You can depend on it. That's why you need to keep praying for your friends. Keep praying for your family. Keep praying for the prodigals. That door, though it has never been opened, is about ready to open. And those who do open their lives to a brand new life in Christ. And things change. So the question really after seeing that picture, does Christ live in your heart today? Does Christ live in my life? Over two centuries ago, a, a wealthy landowner by the name of Sir Roger Boulder visited the traveling fair at Colchester, England. As he went around the stalls and, and the sideshows, he suddenly heard the market square clock begin to chime. So like a child, I don't know about you, but I like to count the number of times that the bell is ringing to make sure it's 9 o'clock or 10 o'clock or whatever. So like a child, he began to count, but he couldn't believe his ears because the clock chimed 13 times. Well, he thought he just kind of miscounted. So until this uh, small fellow next to him turned to him and said, did that clock just chime 13 times? Well, that night, Sir Roger... Boulder recorded that instant in his diary, which he took with him everywhere he went. It was his journal. Two months later, 
Sir Roger woke up and sensed a compelling inward voice that said, go to York and go soon. He was a deeply committed Christian and he wasn't always, didn't always hear the voice of God like that. But the next day he saddled his horse and set out off to York. And as he arrived there, he saw a large crowd gathered outside the courthouse. When he heard that it was the last day of a murder trial, he entered the courthouse and sat in the public gallery from where he heard the judge pronounce the man on trial guilty. When the accused man was asked if he had anything to say, he said, Your Honor, I'm innocent. I was more than 100 miles from the crime on that day it took place. I was in Colchester. The judge said, Well, do you have any proof? He said with a downcast look, Your Honor, another man and myself heard a clock strike 13 times. And if I can only find him, he could vouch for my innocence. Well, immediately, Sir Roger Boulder stood up and said, Your Honor, may I approach the bench? And he did, explained who he was, and then showed the judge his diary, which he always carried with him. And that man was set free on the basis of Roger Boulder's testimony that day. As Roger and this man walked out of the courtroom, that man turned to his benefactor, threw his arms around him, and with tears coming down his cheeks, he said, Sir, you are the only man in all the world who could have saved me. Well, Christmas is very similar. It was a night that Jesus came, and the only man that could save us came to earth. We should throw our arms around whomever and thank God for Jesus' love for us. Would you bow your heads?